Welcome to another episode of Culture of Value. My name is Troy Shear. I'm with Binary Automotive Solutions and Binary Marketing Solutions. And today our guest is Lori Foster uh, with Foster Strategies Group. Lori has a 22-year uh, history in the industry. And I tell you, it seems like the more I've gotten to know about Lori, I, I think she really doesn't even need an introduction here because I think she knows everybody and everybody knows her. Uh, Lori's company, what, what their whole idea is, is to improve results for uh, dealerships, for their vendors, for OEMs, um, you know, anything like that, that they're really crafting strategies that are going to make an impact on all of those across the automotive industry. It's really, and that's what one of the things that she talks about and, and, and really focuses on is her hashtag, which is better together. And that will actually take that, will lead in and Lori kind of just anything else that you want to add that I've missed. And let's just talk about what, you know, the hashtag better together. What is that about? You know, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it because sometimes people wonder like, what does that, what does that mean? And I'm like, what does it mean? <laughs> what doesn't it mean? <laughs> so um, when I take a look at it, I, I got started in selling cars a long time ago. And uh, when I started selling cars, like I was already a mom and had had a successful business with their dad. And so when I entered it, I kept looking at all the disconnect with all of the people and all, all of the parts that were happening within automotive. So just imagine this, like I'm sitting on the front end of the sales floor and I'm looking out these huge glass windows and I'm going like, why aren't the people that service the cars? Why don't we know those people? Because I'm, I'm supposed to do a service walk and I don't even know any of those people. Why aren't we working better with the people that are just in the other building next to us that sell for the same organization? Why are the managers not with their team? And instead they're, so everything from day one, Troy, was just like, this works so much better if we're all going towards the same direction intentionally. And so then I start, just imagine now I start seeing, um, we had a Lincoln, uh, Lincoln rep um, and um, she would come in, we were pretty close to Detroit. So, you know, she'd come in a lot and I go, but like, she talks to one person when she comes in, but that information never gets disseminated to us. And then I started watching vendors. So I'm like, wait, who are these people? What are they doing? And by the time the information was distilled down to us, kind of like that game operator we all played. Right. When we did. So I'm going like, oh my gosh, there's so much more we could get done now. If that's not a long enough explanation, <laughs> I'll give you this. How many, people historically in automotive are thrilled month in and month out with the results they get. Oh Nobody. yeah, no. And it, you know, what you're, what you're saying there too. I, I mean, I've seen in the marketing industry, you know, between marketing and sales, it's, it's really that whole, like you said, the siloed approach where everybody's kind of doing their own thing and, and keeping, you know, where they want to hold on to all the information. And it's like, and it's really, it's, you know, and trying to develop that culture of, share the information and work together because again just like any team the more that you are ingrained with each other and can do things and are kind of a cross-functional setup you're going to have a better result at the, at the end of it so i think that's one question you know with talking about that kind of culture is that something you can teach people is it something that if they don't have that kind of innate um, personality to say hey let's work together that it can be achieved or what, where, how do you see that? So I think the, um, the answer a lot of people would give you is 
you know what, you either have it or you don't. You either have a great lead or you don't. But I'm a lot more hopeful than that. Um, I'm a realistic optimist, so I know that it takes work. But I believe that when people have good intentions and are leaning forward and asking good questions, they can be taught. So whether it's a first generation dealer or third generation dealer, whether it's a vendor partner or an OEM partner, it doesn't matter. It's, as long as somebody has one core attribute, which is willingness, right? And maybe, oh, completely. And maybe sprinkle a little bit of dissatisfaction with results and dissatisfaction for being anything but excellent. I can help somebody learn how to start building that out step by step so we build a strong foundation under us so we start to do that so that's when I started developing even my client retention programs and employee retention programs because when we huge. Think about, yeah <laughs> and when you think about like better together it's like most vendors are selling at dealers and this isn't this most vendors call themselves partners but if the dealer is not calling you a partner make no mistake you're simply a line item on their financial statement that can get schmiced at any time perception is reality right oh 100% so you can't you cannot tell like i can't tell you huh, let's just play with this scenario i can't say i'm going to be a great guest today you can just <laughs> <laughs> you get to say that or not. You, maybe you could edit that out. But like, but seriously, like, think about that. I have no business, no right. I have a responsibility to show up prepared. I have a responsibility to know you. I can't just show up and assume that your your perception of this is going to be great. I do have to do everything I can, plus try to understand your goals, what you're trying to talk about. And that's why we even chatted last week, sure. which I'll bet you most people don't ask to do. So because, because I want to be prepared, I want, I want to understand like, how am I supporting the great work that you're trying to do with this? I can only do that by understanding. So shame on me if I don't apply my own overarching principles well, that's fantastic. Like I said, that was the thing that excited me about it. And, you know, getting to know you and talking with Lori uh, Halter a little bit and where we, where we kind of brought us together is, you know, the, it's right there is a perfect example of better together. How, how do we all work together in, in concert so that we can, you know, as I kind of looked through and, and getting to know again and getting to know you better, it's like you don't just do a win-win. Yours is like win-win-win, <laughs> you know, so everybody that's that's involved, whether it's, you know, two parties or you know, five or six, whatever it is that you're trying to bring together so that everybody comes out of it with a positive um, feeling. And when you have that positive feeling, that is, that's what builds the trust. And that's where your partnership. Yeah, we, operate and, off and, of, we operate off of generosity, collaboration, excellence, integrity, and intention. You know, you must be intentional. You, none of these things that I just told you are going to land land in your lap accidentally, I go for it. And so I started going for things like this a long time ago, you know, and when you're working in a dealership and you're saying, why is the sales department separated from the finance? Why don't we know more so we can be supportive and why aren't they sharing information? Because all of these locked doors only led to divisiveness. Oh, completely. Cause you start, you start feeling like, well, what are they doing and why? And you, you start in your own mind thinking up things that, okay, what are they doing or how are they? They're, they're the one hurting me. And the more scenarios you can come up with in your own mind because of the, that lack of communication and getting together, 
that's where the problems start. I think it's just like with any relationship, when you don't have good communication and aren't sharing information with each other, you're going to have a, not a positive ending to it. Right. And you know, I will, I'm going to add a word here and it's courage because we have a lot of strong personalities in this industry and in all of the related industries. You know, a lot of people who have accomplished such amazing things, but, the, but we're standing on ceremony instead of say, standing on principles that pull us into the future. We're leaning towards back, well, grandpa never wanted that way. Or when they built this Ford, you know, they were only black because that's what Mr. Ford said was, mm-hmm. you can have any color as long as it's black. But at some point, someone had to listen and look around and embrace change. And that's hard to do. And so when I look um, at my work with vendor partners, um, they, they, first of all, they are trying uh, very often, even the best intention, they're trying to sell something at a dealership mm-hmm. without what's under, understanding how a dealership works. And I don't just mean the busyness of like a day, like oh, no, yeah. but like no respect for the ecosystem And um, I take people through an exercise where I really get them grounded to the fact that um, dealerships um, are so unlike so many businesses because there is so little help for the people at the top. Like the guy or gal at the top has a plate so full, you can't imagine. So then when we we hear vendors say, yeah, let's just say, Troy, that you're the dealer, okay? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Troy, he didn't make time for my appointment. How dare he? Or he doesn't understand what's going on over here. I change that narrative. I say like, how in the world is he supposed to? He has literally on average 68 vendors. Why are oh, you so special? Right. I mean, to me, like you said, it reminds me of the, the old circus things where they're spinning the plates and you got all that stuff. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go add, come add one, one more to you without taking anything away or, or creating that. And it is, it's it, when you're sitting on that Island by yourself, it, it's a challenge and you, you, it, you know, you got to feel for them. And that's why I think that whole idea, like you said, of, of, of working together and making sure that, that all of us and understanding for the vendors, I think that's a, a, a crucial part, um, you know, for the, the vendor to be able to bring value. And that's why we talk about this, you know, it's, it's that whole culture of value that whether it be in the dealership or, or with vendors working with them, it's like, what are we doing to help provide value? And it's, you know, one of the things I had, uh, I'd seen a video on just a, a day or so ago was talking about, you know, whether it be dealer principals or CEOs of other companies or whatever, it's like, they don't need more friends. They, they've got their friend. They, they need somebody to come in at, that's a, tr- like a trusted partner that's going to bring value and insight and clarity and not just be selling the next thing to them to really understand what's going on. So that may, you know, it, it may be a situation where your product that you're selling just isn't a fit for that dealership for whatever reason. And you've got to accept that and move on. And, you know, but by understanding what that dealer needs and what his pain points are and, and all of those things, that's what's critical in making sure that you can develop something for them that's going to provide that value. One of the, one of the tests I give people is, is what you're putting out there to the masses attractive enough 
for the dealer or a partner that you're trying to connect with for them to want to call you instead of you trying to beat their door down? Mm -hmm. Are you looked at as a trusted resource to the many right now? And that's one thing I'm really proud of is that um, sometimes I think, you know, we're just being wide open here, Troy. Sometimes I think people give me credit for things that like, I don't know everything. I don't know everyone, but because I'm willing to throw it out there every day and put information in people's hands and do it out of generosity and the desire to inspire and motivate and educate, no matter what, um, people people are drawn to the conversation. Now, sometimes I have to say to people, no, I'm sorry, I don't have an exact person in Phoenix for that exact role. I appreciate that you believe I know somebody for that exact role in every single corner of the country. <laughs> I don't. Like, like I, I think people look at it and go, well, I, I think she knows everybody in the industry, so. <laughs> right. And you know what? What a wonderful, what a wonderful, wonderful gift. But I'm also like incredibly straightforward to people. It's like, oh God, I know a lot of people, but not everybody, nor, um, nor am I the right person for everything. But more than anything, here's what I know. The type of thinking I bring to the conversation in automotive is needed by all verticals, OEMs, dealers, all of the all of the vendors and suppliers, right? And it's a conversation we all need to language up on. We need to like make a part of our language and our, not just our culture, but our language because our words are powerful. Mm -hmm. And we can say we have culture, but if the words that are coming out of our mouths are um, simultaneously, we're talking about how we want to take better care of our dealers, but we're talking very negatively using unpleasant words about them. And mm -hmm. you cannot, you can't live in that space. And, and, and have that integrity and that intentionality intact. Absolutely. So language is really important. So yes, culture is a backdrop, but it starts with words and intentions and actions. Then you wind up in the middle of culture. So, so let me ask this then, when we talk about, do you think that in, in building that, in, in setting that tone, and even talking about you know, the words you use and things like that, does that come from the top down, you know, from whether it be a dealership or a vendor partner company or whatever, or is that something that, you know, that you can come with from your employees and really start understanding with if it's your sales teams or, or you know, whoever the, the employee may be within your given group, you know, is, is that a situation there where too you kind of start looking and listening to those folks or is it a kind of a combination thereof where it's going to be a top down, bottom up, meet in the middle kind of situation? You know, I think you sort of landed it with that because, um, there is no one direct play because if it doesn't permeate the entire ecosystem and if it isn't lived out and recognized, acknowledged and rewarded, it will fall flat, whatever corner it's coming from. So like the, the, the top person can, uh, can get up on a stage and say, we're going to do this. But if there are no additional proof points, mm -hmm. they will follow what this person does, not what they said lead the, the whole lead by example type of thing and, and utilizing that well with do you have any examples of dealerships or vendor partners or oems or things like that that you can say they've they've got it they understand this you know that we can take a look at and go okay well and this is something i've actually talked to some of our our dealership partners with that it's it's understanding who who within the company is doing things well so you can then not necessarily replicate it but look at them as, as a, as a kind of your North star of this, this is how we want to be. So is there, are there any dealerships, vendors out there, things like that, that you would feel comfortable at least talking about that? 
<laughs> and if not, I, I understand that completely too. It's just always nice to have some examples to, for us to look to and go, wow, yeah, they, they really got it right. Yep, there's, a, there's an organization. Um, I never say names because the second that you do, um, you're hoist by your own petard. You're gonna get, you're gonna, you're gonna get to just go all medieval on us here. Like I don't wanna, um, I wanna be careful because also um, there's so much fluidity right now in leaderships, uh, leadership um, presence and styles. And so here's what I've seen. Um, I'm gonna give you a good example, but then I'm gonna give you the other side, right? Sure. Like there's a a female owner in Texas. I don't say this because she's female. Some people think I'm heavily biased. Mm -hmm. I'm, I am somewhat biased for getting more women uh, running dealerships, but I'm not heavily biased. Like that doesn't shape my life. But she has an organization where she even found that um, she has multi rooftops. She even has one in Tennessee, I believe as well. But um, it's, it was a family organization. And she was hearing that um, you know, how anybody can say, oh, we will help you with ongoing education, right? Right. <laughs> that alone, that alone sounds great, but then you have to look at a dealership's hours. Like, is it even feasible? So, so Trey, here's just a, an example that'll blow your mind. She brings educators to the site. Mm -hmm. So like for a community college or the university, so they come to the dealership. So to lower that barrier of entry, so let people, like, because childcare was a problem. She heard from some of her, her single moms that, you know, well, I'd love to take those classes, but how, like, how in the world am I supposed to? So she wants to develop a bench of leaders for the future, not just for today. It takes massive investment of time, money, resources, intentionality. But what she's doing is building a loyalty that's almost unparalleled. Simultaneously, we have people who love getting on stages and love saying <laughs> how it is. And you see these same people, like why are there only, like, and some of these people are my friends, but, and, well, I would say most of them are my friends or we're friendly, we all mm -hmm. know each other. But like, why are there only five people when they talk about dealers? And then when you call the store or you look at their glass door or you try to track this process that they said is so amazing out of their BDC system, or you look at the turnover in their managers, or you hear about them, you go like, you, you, um, I heard this from a Warren, was it Warren Buffett the other day said, don't practice what you preach, preach what you've already practiced. And so I was like, wow, that was like, stop me in my tracks. I'm listening to Adam Grant right now. A lot of this, you know, just a lot of this, like, how are we, how are we even seeing this? So when you see the same people up there all the time, do what I do. Mystery shop the store. <laughs> go, find oh, out, yeah. go, go find out what's happening. And then, and the whole thing is, um, we don't do these things to trip them up. Um, with, we don't want to do finger wagging, but we also have to say it's not as easy as taking a stage. The work is on the ground. Oh, the and work. it's it's an ongoing, you're living at 24-7, yeah. where you, like you said, when you're just getting up and, and speaking a little bit and saying, hey, here's what we need to do you know, 15, 20 minutes later, well, that's nice, but it's with everything too, it's a repetition for, for all of us to develop those habits and develop the, I always say it's, it's thinking about your attitude and your effort. If you come in with a good attitude and are willing to drive effort, those are the things you can control. Right. And that's the way as, as a leader. And like you said, that's where I, I come in. And I think it's exciting to hear about the lady here in Texas that's doing those kind of things. 
because now she's showing, she's stepping up and showing exactly what it is that's going to help take her team. Because again, leadership is really about building more leaders. If you can do those kind of things, you're going to expand. And when you have that um, servant leadership kind of attitude, that love for your people, I think that is a huge element in, in making sure that we're successful, not only from a, a business perspective, but also personally, because when you feel good about yourself and all those kind of things as an employee, you're going to want to do more to make sure that your leader is, it's like, you know, Hey, I'll, I'll spend the extra time in doing this or doing, because you've shown me not by your words, but by your actions that this team means something to you. And, and in that end, then the customer also sees it because I think if you, you know, you've got a, a happy team working for you, they're going to be like, man, we want to share that. And the winning goes on mm -hmm. and on and on. When I look at, um, you know, I talk about leadership a lot. I had a great conversation with Jim Fitzpatrick of CBT News a, a few months ago, and we were just talking about leadership. And we're going to revisit that in a week or two here. But when we look at it, it's like leadership isn't the role, isn't a position. It's a way of being. And we go, we need more leaders and uh, people with a genuine heart and um, a genuine heart for helping and the ability to help and the trustworthiness that people want to follow them because mm -hmm. uh, they've been, uh, people have been sold a bill of goods all over the place. And it starts at the very beginning. So that's why I even help um, anyone in automotive with, even when they're, um, this is going to sound like, how does this have to do with anything? But like, trust me here, like from hiring, like before you even, so I work on role reclarification. Like, what do we even need to call this role mm -hmm. in 2021? Is it even called the same thing? What do we refer to it as internally? What is What are the skills and attributes needed? Who will they manage up to? How are the people doing that are in that vertical right now? What is average performance? Are we speaking that, oh, you can make, you might've seen my post the other day, six figures. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that even mean? And when, which six? I always say, let me pick the first two. You can pick the last four. <laughs> <laughs> but what does it even mean? And what is that opportunity? But, but when we see these really badly put together, or I should just say generic, uh, we're looking for a rock star. What is a rock star? What are the skills and attributes? Who are they working for? How successful is that person on a one to 10? The person they'll report up to. So um, when I look at role reclarification, it makes organizations stop and think before we hire for a job, why is it even open? Why? Where's that person? You know, right. and, and then when we go through now, because we've displayed um, and demonstrated so much more care, those people, you're embedding a new behavior into your leaders that are choosing those people because you spent time on it. And, and Troy, we've all heard it when you hear the word, oh, well, we need some more bodies right around here. I'm like, well, A, that's what you'll get. B, that's what they'll feel like. And C, those bodies go all cast for the ghost on you. And just, right. And then now you're in it again. So I just, I love the fact that, um, you know, people ask me, what do you do exactly? I'm like, I'm going to get in there and we're going to find strategies that work for what's going on with you. Think about a physician when you walk in, you know, a, a general practitioner, like I can go in and very quickly assess what needs to be happening, why this is hurting, how we're gonna fix it long-term. If we need a specialist for something, 
I'll call in the specialist or offer right. that up to somebody, but I can diagnose very quickly what's going on and whether it's coming from people or process clarity or communication, whether we have um, realistic uh, forecasting and goals happening. I wrote about that last week or whether we're just saying things, knowing we won't hit them, but ducking and covering and doing CYA right. and blaming everything. So like, so that's why I'm an industry strategist. I'm a category expert on helping people serving in automotive raise the level of their business and their people where everyone can win. Which basically sounds like uh, the definition for, for my next question was talking about the idea of transformative growth which is, you've pretty much actually answered the question before I asked it. Right. Well, people see, you know, Google even did a really interesting study several years ago. They, they threw the question out there. Um, if you could um, have a pay increase that changed your current life situation, what would that look like? So Troy, just you and me here talking, just imagine like what you and I would think, we're like, we're thinking people are going from like, I make $50,000 a year right now and I want to have a private jet. That'll change. Right, right. <laughs> so the answer was actually only 16% was the max that people could see as, and it would also change their life. Why is that important? When we think about like the, the change that we're trying to create, we want everybody to follow our vision. They're, they can't even see it or feel it. Mm -hmm. so, so they're at 50,000, they're thinking about 58. They're at 100,000, they're thinking about 116. So because they don't even understand the extra effort, um, even at 200,000, that only takes them to 232,000. But your business goal said, we need a 40% increase. These people aren't even sharing your vision in their pay. So that's why I always attach everything we do to pay plans. Mm -hmm. Like if we're going to do something, what will they be rewarded and recognized for? What do they have going on already that is immovable and what is movable because we must subtract to add. We must, you know, and because you can't just ask for more. And, and then how do we get people to rally behind their vision now that they see what it is, how to attain it, what it does for them and not just in pay, but in again, recognition, rewards, upward mobility or widening their, um, their presence in the company or deepening it just hey loyal employees there's nothing wrong with loyal employees either just doing their same job so so um so i really help stabilize people so that they can get stronger so that they can get more successful and repeat it with me or without me so and that kind of ties into kind of you know my next question goes you know as far as giving and, and in that sense you're giving to your employees and things of that nature to help develop that um that core, that relationship there and that feeling of trust and that, that you are as an employee of a company really part of something and that based upon your efforts, you're going to be rewarded. What about, I know we've you know, talked about giving back just in the, in the big picture than in the community. What are some of the ways that you've seen companies give back, you know, in, in that big picture to the community from a charitable standpoint, especially last, you know, in the last year with the COVID and all that, that, you say, hey, this is a good thing too. It's not just about everything that you're doing in-house, so to speak, but what are you doing externally to let people know that, you, again, your actions speak louder than your words. What, what kind of things have you seen that are positives that other, again, all of your client dealerships, uh, vendors and things like that can do to help improve themselves Such outside a, of just the... Yeah, such a great question. 
So, but first of all, always remember, always remember, charity begins at home. At home, yeah. Right. So you must always remember because you can spend your life giving away stuff on the street corners, but if you are not taking care of the people that come to work for you first, because I've seen some people like, well, we want everybody to go here and go to this soup kitchen right now. Well, they might be living with an older parent that mm -hmm. like, oh, well, great. And then I'll go get COVID and kill my parents. So right. maybe not a great idea. So, but charity begins at home. So thing first is I saw some remarkable activity. I'm going to go especially to the vendor side with people just saying, um, do not bother our dealers with your physical presence, work remotely. And I've seen um, people's results stay very steady throughout this, even with the initial disruption that we saw. I've seen dealerships um, say to their employees, it's not essential that you be here for non-essential employees. These jobs can happen other places. This was a really big hill to climb for them because they just I don't want that whole domination and control for sure. most of us have, mm -hmm. you know, uh, like, no, I want to see everybody. If they're not here, then they're not working. And I think we popped some of those balloons. And I also watch people rally together to say, not how am I suffering? but how, I, how can I ease someone else's suffering? And I'm gonna just acknowledge so many dealers out there for food drives that we've seen or, or clothing collections or making their facilities, like their parking lots available, or they, like the, the ways that we've seen this demonstrated are innumerable. Dealers um, get a bad rap for some things, some are deserved, some are not, but when the community is in trouble, there's, always a dealer at the front of that convoy. Mm -hmm. There's always a dealer with their hand up first and with that whole, we don't even know how we're gonna do it, but we're just gonna go and we'll figure it out on the fly. So I'm just always grateful for who our dealers are in the community. Well, I think that's, you know, is the key. It's, you know, being able to get out there and really show that, hey, we we wanna take care of you. And, and I think the big thing is that we have to realize whether it be automotive or any other industry, you know, we like to talk about we're in the, you know, whether it's we're in the car business. Well, you know, ultimately auto or whatever, we're in the people business. And if you develop those relationships with people, because the vehicle is a commodity, yeah. you know, you can get those things anywhere you want. It's, it's really, you know, understanding how, how that you can do something for another person to make their life better. And, you know, the, the car is just an object within that whole, deal but i think having that mentality and you know as we're talking about this it, it was interesting i just uh, saw over the weekend was uh john heaster out in uh he's out in the carolinas i believe where where you are yep he's wrote that he was working on a program and he got with um the counts customs actually working with them and set up a thing for all of his he uh, 14 different teams within his dealership he went out and bought old cars to be restored like they do on on the accounting cars and that way he would have stuff to keep his guys busy and they were going to then finish up and, and the winning team donate that to charity and I was like how cool is that and that really shows something I mean it's like it, it's coming out of his pocket but yet it, at the same time again it's the whole win-win-win thing where okay his employees get to you know they've got jobs to do now they get to feel good about themselves and when they're done they get to pick a charity to auction the car off for. I mean, it's like, so everybody in the big picture is winning. And I just think utilizing that as a, um, you know, again, a North store kind of thing. It's, it's like, wow, that's, that's how we, if, if we look at those kind of examples, 
how we can really take and make, again, the employees are happy. Your customers end up being much happier because they see what you're doing and it just creates a, an aura of goodwill in the big picture. Yeah, you know, um, we hear in marketing all the time, Troy, stories sell. Mm -hmm. Well, think about when you're part of that story at that dealership. So, and when you can repeat that to your friends and your family and your neighbors know, like, think about that goodwill that's built up. You asked earlier about transformational growth. This is where transformational growth happens from igniting the people who give you the courtesy of their time showing up to the job every day and they bring their whole heart and their great ideas and they bring friends to come to work there too. And they're your ambassador, whether you're standing there or not, whether you're listening or not. Transformational growth is typically only held for those who are inspiring people to go and lead that charge, join them in that charge. And then transformation. Otherwise, I mean, every now and then there's a breakthrough product or something. Right. But that's, those are, you know, you can't chase those butterflies and unicorns. If you really want transformational growth, transform the opportunity that the people that work with you have, transform what the experience is like for those who are willing to spend their money with you. So you've got employees that will spend their time. You've got customers who will spend their money, vendors who will share their um, knowledge about very specific things, you know, and then that's when you can start to experience transformational growth. And then at that point, everybody sees revenue growth because they weren't focused on the revenue growth. They were focused on taking care of their people and, and their partners and all of those things. And it just, you know, magically, <laughs> obviously not magically, but it's, it's one of those things where it, it shows up and you're like, wow, you know, even though that you were, and that's something I've seen before. It's like when you're so focused on the bottom line and forget about all the other things, it's, it's much harder to get to that, that point in your, in your revenue and profits where you go, we're really doing well. And I think when you do all of those things, because that's what it takes, it's that, that team. I, I just look at it. I'm a big sports guy, football guy. And I see that everybody has to do their part. And if you all are doing your part and not worrying about who's, you know, what your contract is here, you know, at least in the NFL side of things, but who's getting the most glory. It's like, ultimately when you all work together, everybody wins and it can be done in a way that it's becomes very organic and natural. And I think that's, that's the key for all of us. If we just look at it that way, that we can, be successful. Absolutely. You know, there are very, very few Tom Brady's out there. <laughs> I'm giving myself away here. There are very few of those, but you know, let's go to your sports analogy. I always like using Moneyball. Like we can actually track these metrics. Like everybody sees me and I'm like enthusiastic and inspirational and motivational. I love people. Make no mistake. I'm grounded in data, grounded in the metrics, looking at every stat that's out there going like, why is this? Why are we settling for this stat? Who said it has to be like that? You can track your efforts, even with things that sound as ethereal as culture and mm -hmm. transformational growth. You can actually benchmark this out and say, here's where we are right now. And here are KPIs, key performance indicators that are telling us that the behaviors that people are doing are trending towards our goal or away from our goal or staying static which is the same as going away from your goal. So, or unless you, of course, you've just got to stop some bleeding. With right. So make no mistake. Like when I go take a look, I'm like looking at where are these people right now? Because 
you can see somebody's psyche in their metrics, their, their willingness to want to do more for you. You can see that. You can see the person that's sandbagging their, their sales efforts for the next month because you have an unfavorable pay plan in place. So I can look at all of that and say, okay, like if we want to go from here to here with transformation, with culture, with leadership, let's set some key challenges that we're having. Let's benchmark those and let's see how we can either, you know, if they need to be lifted or reduced, whatever the metric is that we're looking at, like, what are we, what are we trying to go to? And let's get there, but let's get there intentionally with them. Mm-hmm. And hope is absolutely not a strategy. <laughs> and you wind up like, I, like if I just had $1 every time that a dealer canceled the product to buy an, or anybody mm-hmm. canceled the product to buy another product that almost does the same thing that they cancel three months later because they don't like that. And then they go back to the same person because no learning was happening. Nobody had the courage to tell themselves, I don't know enough about this or the vendors to say, let me tell you what you're missing, what you need to help. Here's how we're different. Here's why it's worth a few extra minutes to go deeper. People just have to have more courage. Maybe it's because I've been around a couple more years than you, Troy, but like, it's not about, it's not about arrogance at all, but I have more courage and confidence now when I speak because I know my intentions are to help. I know I'm comfortable with people having to go through a little feeling that out to see. I know that I'm simply going to help them win and let them get out of their own way. And so I, it's, it's a pleasure and a privilege to hold that flashlight and reach back and grab their hand and go, we got this, let's go. Yeah. It's, it's that, it's that tough love mentality that, yeah. uh, you know, you, you've got to have that. And, and I think that's why, you know, why I wanted to have you on, uh, on this. Cause I, I was like this, you and I are, our, our thought processes and how we like to do things are, I mean, pretty much, you know, you could take them and put them together like that. So it's, I, I love this. Um, everybody needs to, you know, when I hear what you can do, it's like, I, and I see why so many people follow you and want to, you know, and work with you and those kind of things, because you have that, that passion the integrity and the fact that you want to do it right and are going to go, Hey, I'm not going to, you know, lie to you just to make yourself feel good. It's like, I'm going to tell you the, I'm going to tell you the truth and it, you know, go back to the doctor thing. Hey, here's, here's the, the results of your test. Yeah. They're not the greatest, but I'm here to help you get healthy again and get better and, and move forward. And so that's, I mean, that's what I hear. That's really what you're doing in a, you know, a non-medical sense, but it's, it's, you know, really helping people go, Hey, this, there, this is a tough time maybe right now, but I'm going to help you through it. You know, it's really interesting that you just said that because I'm anchoring that to my personal life right now. I have a personal care physician outside of any insurance network, uh-huh. extra out of pocket. There's no insurance reimbursement, uh, but her and uh, my, one of my kids and her family has, the, we have the same person, but when we go in, we talk, she's diagnosing everything, like the whole person that is me, not like, oh, my finger hurts right here. How's this going? How did that happen? What vitamins are you taking? Whatever. So I don't even want to use the word holistic medicine because people get this idea. About right, it. right. No, but yeah. It is. That's actually exactly what I'm doing. So I'm calling her because it's a holistic diagnosis. I don't have an agenda. I make no assumptions that the only thing that's going on is that one, oh, I have a bruise on my knee. How did you get there? How long has it been there? Do you, you know. Asking the right questions. Right. And so like, and being willing to be patient. 
Um, someone asked me a few weeks ago, they have this like really unique set of challenges and opportunities, which just so you know, everybody does. And they're like, well, other people just handed us this thing and said, this is how we help. And I'm like, well, what in the world? Like, how, did they build that knowing your exact problem? <laughs> because that is amazing. That's amazing. I'm like, so when I work together, um, just to explain a little bit what I do, like, let's just say I was going to work for binary. Let's just right. say we're going to take on a project. And um, we would sit down and we would discuss what's going on. You know, first of all, we have to like each other and feel like we're the right people. Okay, park that. We're going to figure out what needs to be done. We're going to take an honest assessment of the personnel, where they are, um, the lowest um, impact things that we can do with the highest uh, results quickly to get us going and get a flywheel of activity going. We're going to look at some longer term targets, some shorter term. We're going to look at the expense of things and the hour, like hours are expense. People don't think about it like that, but completely. Um, and so, because, you know, there's what I charge, but it's what it costs the organization. So I'm really mindful of that also. And so it's a very, it's a boutique approach because how dare I go, here's your, what, like I operate off core principles, but so I'm i I'm unique. I don't do proposals like most people do. Mm -hmm. I tell them what my rates are. Here's what we're going to do because how, like, Troy, just as you and I have talked here, how in the world, what's a proposal sheet supposed to look like? Well, yeah, what am I proposing to do if I don't know what, what I'm trying to fix in the first place? And I think, you know, that's, that's one of the big things here too at Binary. It's, you know, with our dealership partners, it's, you know, we obviously have, have some products and things that, that we work with to help them grow and increase their revenues. But our, our whole objective too is, is to really understand from a dealer principal standpoint, what, you know, what are the needs, what are the things that, that we do that can help you. And if not, if, if there's not anything we can do, then we don't want, it's, it's not like we're trying to force something. It's how do we help and how do we, you know, we want, like you said, we really want to understand what's going on, help us with the data so that we can, you know, give you ideas to improve your overall success from a, you know, revenue standpoint, employee retention, all of those kind of things, because it's, it's, we realize too, it's the product is really a commodity. It's, it's how we work together as a team within the dealership, just like what you're talking about and making sure that if they're not successful, then we're not successful. So I'm, like I said, our, our, our mindset is, is right there together. We were That's why this is exciting. Yeah. And I, and I love it because, you know, back to better together, you know, Lori, <laughs> Lori Halter is one of those people that she shares my philosophy on that as well. She's incredibly generous with her contacts and clients. And so am I. And, um, it, it's wonderful when you have people out there who um, you respect enough to go like, okay, here's how I'm seeing this. What are you seeing? Or, you know, what am I missing in this? Or what is the extra opportunity here? And when you have people like that, that just really approach, I always say um, most people have agenda all over, written all mm -hmm. over. Here's what I want you to take away from this. I really want to absorb it and learn it then make no mistake. I'm going to come up with what I think we need to do. But if, sure. if I don't bring listening, looking, assessing, um, wanting to hear how it's going for you, looking at your numbers, you know, looking at all of that and being bringing an agnostic approach to saying like, instead of saying, I know how to fix it. It's like, what 
should we do to fix this? What are what are a handful or a dozen options? And then let's winnow that down. Mm-hmm. And I do that for clients so that they're not left with like 48 things. To think about. <laughs> but, but well, that, like you said, that, that allows you then to be able to to actually engage in those those recommendations and do something with it too. So that you because if you have too many options, people get get confused and overwhelmed and all that. So yeah. So people when they you know when they bring me in. Um, I always say I wipe my feet at the door of their business. They were there. They built it. It's their hard-earned place. There's so much pride. Um, it's my job to go in and add an exclamation point here or there, add an asterisk. We also did this. Mm-hmm. Um, add a boost, add some jet fuel, sprinkle some motivation, um, put some telescopes and binoculars around so people see things a little differently and microscopes even. So going forward, they see things a little different after they've worked with me. That's fantastic. You know, I would just, I mean, I'm watching the clock. I've, I've gotten so in, engrossed in what we're doing here. I'm like, wow, we, we've been talking a little while. So I better wrap up. But I did have the one, one last question is, you know, any advice that you might have for, for leaders that are looking to improve their brand presence this year? Any kind of little last words? And I'm sure that this will, you know, like I said, we'll continue on. We'll have to get together again because, um, I'm learning and having as much fun with this and being able to think about just from things you're telling me, okay, well, how can I now go out and help our clients and make, you know, just make things better for everybody. So this has been, I have, I'm very thankful to have you on. This has been a, a pleasure, but I, I will let you finish up with that. Any I, uh, things that I you got on that? I'm going to, I'm going to assume you need their brand presence for their business. And for their, their, yeah. Whether it be a dealership or, or, you know, whatever the <laughs> These days, everybody's a brand. So, uh, so for the brand presence, um, if, uh, I would say leadership is just so important to improving your brand presence. So it's not about hiring a marketing team. It's doing things that are evidentiary, that you are good, good people, doing good things, creating opportunities. Um, willing to step out with your people, not throw them out and step back and watch what happens. Um, it's it's a, if you want to lift your brand presence, it's know also what your people are dealing with. Know, know what your customer journeys are like. Know what the pain points are. Open, honest conversations with those people. I'm working with um well, it's just one of the large digital marketing companies. And they're like, they're, um, they brought in more, they had a little kerfuffle a while back and they brought in some more focus groups and they're asking themselves better questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would be like, really get introspective and say like, how am, how am I being perceived and what do I want to do? And just start doing it, but track your progress too. Very often, I will say this, these ethereal things that were like, do nice things. Very often, as much as like um, we track a run that we went on, mm-hmm. we track those things too, because it's easy six months later to go, it doesn't feel like I got anywhere, yet you're not paying attention to that stack of notes or reviews from customers, or the fact that that guy that's working over here, you thought he was going to leave, but he's still there, or that customer that was difficult, that's now your fan, like those are quantifiable metrics Absolutely. That, that, that show you that you're trending in the right direction. So leadership is about action and trust and just having the courage to get out there. And then that's where I believe you can, now you can lift your brand because you have a right to, and people want to listen. Beautiful. Well, 
like I said, Lori, I really appreciate this. This is, uh, ha has been fun for me and I'm, I'm hoping, uh, you know, we can do this again in an, another month or so. And, uh, like I said, we've, we've had our, our, you know, talked a bunch and now we've had our, our first, uh, face to face <laughs> virtually soon. Yeah. We'll get together as soon as all of the, uh, the craziness gets in, ends this year. So I would welcome that. Thank you. That's very kind. Uh, I appreciate it, Laura. You have a wonderful day. Thank you for being on the podcast. And anybody that I'll, I'll actually uh, put your information out here on the end. So everybody wants to get in touch with you, you can absolutely do that. And um, just again, thank you. You're very welcome. Take care. Right. Thank you. Take care.